Welcome back to Forwards Backwards Podcast, not from the corner of Glenway Monroe and not from the Gimme Some Truth Studios. This week we discuss Sunday's strike, Kenosha, and Madison West women's soccer. As always, I'm joined by the Phineas and Ferb to my Perry the Platypus, Kyle Carr, the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting, and Dan Fallon, who texted me today to ask if something was discussed elsewhere in the text thread. Dan, Kyle, if we started a GoFundMe to help forward Madison buy Lionel Messi, how many hundred million euros would we still be short? Probably 600 million euros because... You think we could get 100 million euros together? Between the three of us or just in as a whole? As a whole. Oh, yeah, we can... There's going to be some more on that's going to initially throw like 50,000 right off the bat. Like someone's going to throw a lot of money for no reason at all. Do you realize 50,000 though, that we're still 950,000 away from a million euros. <laughs> That's still, someone's going to do it. And if everyone that listens and cares about Ford Bass and chips in a grand, you never know. There might be I want to know what kind of couch there. you have at home, Kyle, that you've got all of this money hidden in the cushions. That's really. It goes straight to the baby. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what, what do you think? Um, yeah, I don't know. I do know though that we we were name dropped on uh, Sirius uh, XM on the on the uh, soccer channel where where they were talking about Messi and and said that even clubs such as third division forward Madison FC are putting in a claim on Twitter. Uh, I think the bigger question though, Keith, is when are you going to um, string together all of the false starts to the podcast into one long? false start where I mean nobody gets to see that every week where it takes you at least two to three times to pr- properly start the podcast so I'm waiting well, for my the- thought is I'm going to mix it with some instrumental tracks and okay. it's going to be a it, you know fish kits I think are going to get into it you know for for Talk you my language yeah Talk in my language exactly like a giant drums in space with me just screwing up our intro or screwing up our outro that's the other thing that I do really well is screw up the outro um so uh, this week, we are not joined by Cowboy Neil at the Wheel Hovati, who uh, is busy counting railroad ties. Uh, instead, we're very fortunate to be joined by Francesca Hong, a veritable Renaissance woman, restaurateur, mother, community organizer, Democratic candidate for state rep from the 76th district, and proud passenger, and I think this is most important to our concerns here, proud passenger on the Vang train. Is that correct? Hell yes. I am on board the Vang train, thousand percent. Excellent. Excellent. We're glad to hear that. Uh, how, did you, how did you become aware uh, that the club had signed Michael Vang or, you know, uh, all of that? We know you have quite a history with soccer that we're going to talk a little bit about, but how did you find out about, you know, Michael Vang joining the team? Uh, Twitter. The very, <laughs> the very active forward uh, Twitter account. Um, I also, I've, I've been trying to be a little bit more engaged uh, with the team and uh, I wasn't able to last year with, with um, the restaurant just kind of took over and, but things have slowed down a little bit at the shop now. So I've got my priorities straight and I'm definitely an avid uh, follower, both on uh, probably all the social media platforms for, for the flag. And now I'm a proud owner of uh, the drip kit as well. I had, received um, from a support uh, from uh, a friend of ours sent um, a, a Hong 76 jersey and it is uh, 
I don't think I'll ever be able to wash it. Like, I think it just needs to be in its immaculate form forever. That's the kind you put in a frame and hang in your office. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question. I won't, I won't ask you the, you know, how's it going question, but I will ask you, you kind of alluded to it. What do you think are some of the things that you've learned about you or as, as a, as a business owner, um, as you've gone through this, that you think you could kind of take with you on the, you know, whenever we get out on the other side of this? I think it is shown me the importance of perseverance and the importance of having purpose in order to get to a place of hope. I think during times like these, these very absurd times, it's, it becomes easy to see like overly inspirational shit people post on social or people saying a lot of the same things. We're in this together. We're in this together. And um, it's not what everyone wants to hear. I think folks want to understand that we're um, in solidarity in in our struggle as well. And that um, the more we talk about perseverance and our purpose um, as a community, uh, we'll be able to find hope kind of in our own ways. And so this experience is continuing to teach me the importance of perseverance and purpose. And one of the questions I had uh, as a major league softball uh, question, you played uh, soccer at Madison West High School and kind of interested in what, you know, your, your experiences in playing soccer. Uh, That's how we got to, to, how we found out about you on Twitter. We saw you juggling and making phone calls at the, at the same time. And we were like, Wow, that's impressive since uh, I can't juggle and, and not trip over myself at this point. And Dan, I think, pulled, a, pulled his groin last week trying to juggle. So um, <laughs> but what, what, are the, what are the lessons that soccer taught you as you got into owning a restaurant and also got into, into politics? So I started playing when I was four years old. Um, I grew up in Eagle Heights and there was always in like the parks, there were a lot of, um, I guess then it was like pickup games for kids and and parents to just like coach. And and it was, um, I remember putting on like the the shin guards that are sleeves, like full sleeve shin guards. And um, I always played- With the stirrups? Did they have the stirrups on them? Yeah, (laughs) the stirrup shin guards. Um, that I didn't even know you had to put socks over. So I just like wore them with regular socks and that and felt really cool and, and probably had like jean shorts on. And uh, um, But I fell in love with it. And I think um, I started, I tried out for my first club. All of a sudden my parents, you know, their dream of me uh, focusing on, on music and academics turned into driving around different suburbs of Milwaukee, going up to Point, um, you know, through soccer. It's the only reason I know where Muscatine, Iowa is. Uh, <laughs> and so it, it was through soccer that I actually saw more of the state um, and, and, you know, all the different tournaments um, throughout the Midwest that we would go to. And um I learned a lot about that it was still, that I, even through soccer, I wasn't always going to feel like I belonged. And then I think, but when I'm playing, when you're in the game, when you're, when you're playing and, and you're working with your teammates and, and it's, it's just you and, and the game and, and that feeling of camaraderie with your teammates, um, I didn't think about that. Obviously, you know, 
culture around club soccer is it's not most inclusive and diverse sport. And um, it's really expensive to play. And I think that was always kind of in the back of my mind, but it didn't matter when I was on the field. And so soccer was an outlet. Soccer was a way for me to express, you know, not only athletic challenges for myself, but, but also understand what it meant to be a part of a team, uh, what it meant to kind of do my uh, culinary career as well. That's kind of the beauty of sports, right? It can be an outlet, but it's also so entangled in, in our lives and we don't always see it that way. Um, and so I was fortunate to gain leadership skills. I was fortunate to understand what it meant to um, compromise sometimes, but work with teammates and work, uh, learn from coaches. And I think the, the game is so beautiful in, in how you have to hone in on your individual skills, but you can't succeed on just your individual skills. So I'll always be grateful to the game. And I think I always will have a respect for it. And I'm excited that um, through forward uh, that I can kind of have it back in my life outside of, you know, the one or two pickup games I played at Reynolds Park or, uh, you know, before the kiddo, I played a couple, um, some co-ed indoor leagues. Um, but it's so frustrating when you know where you were at earlier in your, in your like, in your youth and then to play as an adult and it just, your body doesn't listen. Everything is just so delayed and your body just doesn't listen. To, and so that was tough, but it's always been fun. And I think um, I'm really excited to pass that on to my son. I don't think he'll be into sports the way I was. Um, he's got a little bit more of a mechanical engineering mind, but I'm still gonna push him hard. Like I, I hope I get to be a soccer mom. I really do. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, interesting with hearing that because I know my dad was kind of the same way he wanted to try and get me into soccer and as much as I wanted to try I was not good enough so it fell by the wayside for me and then went to my brother but another thing that you mentioned is with all the leadership skills and all the compromising obviously with things that are going on in this political climate um, what are some of the things that you think you can emphasize in both your campaign trail and your career as a politician and even with your restaurant that you can also, that also applies to not only being a soccer fan, but playing the sport and following the sport. I don't know if there's any things that kind of overlap. I know you mentioned a few of those, but. So I think something that I see in leadership that's failing right now is understanding that you should surround yourself with a team that's better than you, that knows more than you, that you have to learn from. And I was never the most technically skilled player on my team. Um, I rely on a lot of people who are way more technical than I was, but I was always loud. I was always the one telling you man on. I was always the one that uh, could kind of see and, and, and uh, understand other people's potential more than my own. And I think that that is something very powerful when it comes to leadership is, is, is knowing that um, your job is, is to bring out more in other people. And I think my hospitality background also kind of builds on that idea that leadership, that especially servant leadership, where you really are only as good as maybe the worst person on your team. 
And I'm seeing leadership right now that is refusing to step aside and let others lead. I'm seeing leadership right now kind of refusing to listen to youth. I'm seeing leadership right now that um, wants to put social and political capital ahead of the will of the people that they serve. And so both off the field and in hospitality and in politics, I think the thing that ties it all together is understanding that leadership is not about individual. And so I hope that with this campaign, the, the focus has been on the issues. The focus has not been on me as an individual. It's been really hard to kind of sell myself. <laughs> I'm not great at it. Also, don't tell folks I'm not great at raising money either. Um, but because I always want to share those resources. And I think the focus right now through all of that in leadership is this is how we're going to preserve our humanity. Um, and and as, as kind of meta or general as that sounds, I think it's so important to come back to that, come back to understanding what we all share as human beings, come back to understanding what brings all of us joy, because there are things that we can all come together on that will bring us joy. And I think that's, it's important to keep that in mind. And it's important to take that into um, any place that you're going to be a leader in. One of the ways that you've recently sort of showed that leadership is you were down in Kenosha on Sunday. Forward Madison made the decision not to play its match on Sunday, um, sort of to, to lend some support to that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, your experience down there since you, you took advantage of not having to, you know, watch on TVW the, the forward match and went down to Kenosha and tell us about that, that uh, you know, the protests and what you saw down in Kenosha and, you know, as well, we'd be remiss in not noting that that the Bucks, a sports team, were a big, you know, leaders in, in this movement for, for all of us as well. Kenosha, I felt this amazing sense of community, you know, just as, as awful as it was the reason that we were all brought together, I think listening to Jacob Blake's father speak was one of the most powerful moments, at least for me, in, in these past couple of months. Um, that again was a call for everyone to unite not in fear, but in, in, in love. Um, he kept telling us that he loved all of us. And I didn't really, and you know, sometimes I'll think that speeches like that are overly inspirational or corny, but being there listening to him, it felt like he was speaking to me that, that, you know, that it was going to be okay, that he loved me, that he loved everyone there, that that was what was going to bring us strength. And that was what was going to allow us to refuel, re-energize because organizing and marching and, and fighting for justice is exhausting and not, I don't think we talk enough about how depleting it is for individuals to not always see the light at the end. And so to go to Kenosha, to feel refueled, to feel re-energized, to know that, you know, for someone who has lost so much watching um, and continuing to see his son suffer, um, to still want to replenish others and care about others and, and call on others to fight alongside him and to struggle with him, but that will still be united in love. It was powerful. And I saw other legislators there. I saw other folks from Madison there. It was, um, and I know that Freedom Inc. went with a caravan and there was Freedom Inc. from Milwaukee. It, to know that, um, you know, as unfortunate it, it, as it was the reason why we were all together, um, to walk 
and, and come out of there with a newfound sense of strength um, was, was powerful. And I, it, it, it's different when, when you're a part of it than reading about it. And I think that presence is important for us for leadership, for leadership to be present in, and, and to be in close proximity to injustices, to marches, to people um, coming together is, is really important. I'll take the opportunity to slander your your um, soon-to-be colleagues um, in the state legislature. So um, another day of them acting like absolute fucking clowns. Um, so it sounds like they may not even come back into session until after the first of the year. Um, there are some, without getting into all of the, the particulars, there's a lot of uh, systems in place that are going to make it very difficult for you to do your job um, that you're going to be elected to do in November. And so I, how are you kind of preparing to go into a completely non-functioning <laughs> government body that you, you, you're spending so much time and energy to become a part of knowing that it's just going to be a shit show? Um, so <laughs> that's the question. Um, what's your plan? And, and what is your caucus kind of uh, thinking about for, you know, I guess, 2021, when they finally decide to maybe do some work during one of the most critical points in the history of our country? It's been 138 days. I'm quoting my friend Dan from the recombobulation area. I believe the last time, yeah, Dan the last time they were in session uh, was before um, the last dance was on. I believe it was snowing in our state. Um, the fact that we are dealing with- By the way, I'm sorry to interrupt. Did you mark time by the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary? Is that right? Yes. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, which by the way, I think I watched maybe, when it was over, when you couldn't watch it live anymore, I was, I was deeply, deeply depressed. I mean, we were, I, I was already navigating the fog of being depressed um, during this pandemic and, and during the multiple crises that we're in. Um, but it was like not having that live, you know, story to look forward to. Um, just another point of crisis for me because I felt like I was connecting with folks and I watching the like, cause you had to watch it live and then you have to watch it like with the Twitter you know, with the Twitter commentary. Um, so yeah, I, or yeah, watching it with Twitter commentary and then watching it again, you know, without the distraction. Um, that's, that was usually like my Sunday night ritual. It felt good to have like that routine again. Um, so that, yeah, that was. Well, and it, it speaks to like how time is so changed in, in, you know, like that's not that long ago, you know, but it feels like, years ago yeah, the, the, the sure. last dance documentary and you know our sense of time you know that was back when you know we refer to the days before kyle first visited us on the podcast um as like this you know we didn't know what was going on he came on he was on the podcast and like we had this podcast years ago it seems like uh where where kyle we were talking about the possibility of things being shut down yeah. and then it actually happened oh yeah um, but yeah, 138 days, 139 tomorrow, they gaveled in and out, you know, I thought they were at least going to come together for a little circle jerk, but nope, nobody even showed up. Um, 
outside of <laughs> the gavel. Um, so, you know, the gavel is the only thing that got in and out. I just, I'm dumbfounded <laughs> at the fact that the state has, is confronting not two, three, four crises, um, the crisis of the pandemic, systemic racism, uh, the fact that our climate is, our, our world is burning and that we need climate justice, it's, it's, um, it's unfathomable. I don't know what more it's going to take for people to, um, to do their job, to do their fucking job. Um, I think what my mentality for January um, post after the election is to again, reinforce this idea of preserving our shared humanity because homelessness mental health crises, um, housing, these are all human issues that um, their constituents are, are going to be facing major crises in. And I know for the GOP, it's about holding on to power at all costs, at all costs, and making sure they represent and continue to be puppets for special interests. So I know that I'm going to have to be a part of a collective effort to start shifting that and, and changing that and taking back power. And, and I think it's going to take more than mobilizing and organizing. I think it's going to take folks to see that it has, like we don't have to come together on everything, but we have to come together on, on fighting for basic human rights. Um, again, clean water, having uh, a home, a roof over your head, access to food and access to health care. Um, these are things that are nonpartisan issue. Like I said, every single Wisconsinite deserves um, to have access to those rights. So, so and to participate in, in their democracy um, for us to even have a governing body. So I think if they're not willing to play ball on issues like, you know, rural mobile health care access, expanding broadband, um, homelessness on, you know, making sure that there's access to affordable housing and clean water. If they continue to represent the interests of uh, their corporate puppeteers, then we have to organize the people. And I think, you know, my candidacy was kind of proof that you can bring people who have who had before lost trust in their government because if they're so tied up in the politics, they don't see that that politics and governance is, is separate. Um, you know, I had folks who didn't know who Chris Taylor was, what a state assembly person did, um, you know, what I was even running for, really. They were just excited that I was running. I think that that is... That happens in communities everywhere where people have just lost trust, lost faith, lost hope in the fact that, you know, their voice matters. And so amplifying this, I think there's a movement building there. There is the shitstorm doesn't have to just is, is residing in the GOP and it can stay there. We can brew a different type of storm. And so I think taking back power, speaking truth to power all the time and, and knowing that folks across this state um, are ready to hold their leadership accountable. Um, I know that can sound naive, but I believe, and I'm doing the work right now in making sure that we're either keeping our seats safe that are blue and working to flip the seats um, where uh, there's a chance. We're in like in the 82nd um, with Jacob Malinowski um, helping Josephine James up north. You know, she, they, the GOP had that seat I think they lost by less than a thousand votes. Um, the pandemic 
as as is is a bit of an equalizer. I don't I want I don't want to say it's completely, but it 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 can be. And we the Democrats have to leverage it, and we have to you we have to use not necessarily a collective enemy, but but people do not want to be united in fear anymore. I, I believe that. And so I think taking back our power with the people, showing that Democrats will be able, that Republicans will not be able to hold on to those seats much longer. Um, and then I, you know, coming together on issues that should not be bipartisan. Um, and as, as coming from what the bluest, most active engaged district in the state, I have not only a responsibility, but uh, an, an opportunity to push for some of the most progressive policies. Um, and, and I will continue to do that, making sure that my shit's not watered down, that this is what I propose. And then they'll have, you know, even if Foss doesn't bring a single bill to the floor, I will not stop putting them up. Um, and I will not stop reaching out to his constituents. And I will go after media. Media in, in those districts are also important to make sure that they stay engaged and hold their leadership accountable and start working on headlines that say, no, our system is based on white supremacy and, and your leaders are condoning it. And if you do not condemn the fact that black bodies are actively and have been harmed for hundreds of years due to um, systems that are in place to harm them, you're complicit in the problem. And so you're part of a racist system. And I think, you know, there's there's so many, it, it's not gonna take just me, you know, standing up to the GP and passing bills. It has to be a collective effort of everyone going in, all systems firing um, to be able to make these changes happen, but, but it will and it has to. Uh, yeah. I fully agree on that. And Moving on to a happier topic besides talking about racist cowards like Robin Voss, Scott Fitzgerald, and Jim Steineke, um, one of the things that you had mentioned going back to Michael Vang is you said representation matters. And I think with Mike Vang being the first Hmong player to start in professional soccer in America and score and get a yellow card, um, I know you mentioned that representation matters. I think some of the things that maybe people would want to know is how far can that re representation go and how can we as the flocks for Ford Madison supporter group go in trying to welcome not only the monk community, but the Asian community as a whole. Cause I feel like that is an area that we do need to do a little bit better on. Um, and that's, a, and I think just knowing what we can do can go a long way. With representation and um, engaging communities, different communities of color, it, it starts and ends with relationship building. Um, and I think, you know, at, for both Michael Vang and myself, we have a responsibility to start building more relationships um, for people in our communities with others. And I think that being those connectors, um, you have to you have to establish trust and then and go in knowing that uh, and 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 building trust that you're not in there to try to you know persuade them in one way or another. You go in with an understanding that we're coming together over this great game. We're coming together over a fight for injustice. We're coming together for these positive things that are going to benefit all of our communities um, if we make sure that, that we're building that relationship first. Um, you know, as the first AAPI um, legislator in the state, I, I don't think any of that will matter. And, and I have to, until, um, I don't think any of that matters unless I act 
on it unless I make sure that I am not the last AAPI leader and, and to make sure that um, AAPI leaders uh, across Wisconsin are represented in all different uh, uh, levels of government and in their communities. Um, because really strengthening our, our communities that are marginalized is going to help all communities. And I think that we need to recognize that, you know, when, when we're all, when one of us is down, we're all down. Uh, Francesca, we know that you have, uh, you have somewhere to be here. You're, you're heading up to a march at the Capitol uh, this evening. So uh, we're going to, we're going to let you go. We have so much more that we'd like to talk to you about. We'd like to talk more about uh, Michael Vang and, and the excitement around uh, Michael, but. Hasn't he had a point in every game he's played? Like he's either had an assist or a goal or. Yes. In his three games, I think so far it's three games. He has scored one, assisted two and two. was the cause of an own goal. So yes, um, Michael Vang has been, as I call it, a set piece God. But, um, but we really, we have a lot more we want to talk to you about. Hopefully we can get you on to review a match with us uh, sometime in the future. Yeah. And we're, uh, we're all pulling for you on uh, November 3rd, right? That's, that's the date. I'm getting the date, right? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Didn't want to give out the wrong information. <laughs> Everyone, please vote early. There's going to be um, polling uh, yes, polling places on election day, but the city will be putting up other places for folks to drop off um, ballots. So if you're not comfortable or don't want to mail them in, there will be uh, drop off locations that the city will provide um, or uh, bring it to your uh, the clerk's office. But I encourage everyone to vote and check your voter status as well. And that's uh, that's really easy to do. And we can we'll share the link on on our Twitter feed. Uh, Dan, what's our Twitter feed? At forwards back wa two. Thank you, Dan. Uh, And until next time, we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling to freedom.